Welcome back to an all new installment of Super Mario Bros. Where we're back, where the men behind the mask were out of control, but we are back. But Alice, keep it for you there, Super Mario Brother Dan. That makes me Super Mario Brother Dan. I'm Super Mario <laughs> Mother Matt. Yeah, we kind of ruined that a little bit, but you know, that's what we're about in this show. We talk about a lot of things. Uh, I guess really, we, we wanted to start the show off about last week. We had a bit of middle in South Australia, Danny. We did. It was on Saturday, all day Saturday at Fowler's Live. Do you ever. For closing, but not closing, Fowler's <laughs> Live, which is good. I'm not glad it's not closing, but it just seems to be like that desperate like um, business ploy to keep getting people coming. Nah, it's the last show, it's the last show, it's the last show. But- so basically, anyone out there in you know, the middle land community or just listening to us on our podcast, the Fowler's Live is a little bit like a Goosebumps novel where no one's too sure why it hasn't exploded yet, but everyone knows that it has at one point. So it's kind of like, it's just like damnation, but it keeps coming back and... Instead of anyone questioning it, we just kind of go along with the ride, don't we, really? Exactly. That led us to um, partake in the festivities of Heavy SA. Yeah, and someone, uh, just to quickly go off a sidetrack before we get into the news and stuff, someone was stupid enough to try to steal a band shirt. Incredible douchebag move. Like, this is like top 10 of douchebag things, you know, top three over, you know, the whole Syrian thing right now. That's how bad it is. But what are we thinking about, Danny? Like, the guy got caught on camera. So, you know, jokes on him. Pretty much. I mean, the, the metal community in LA is not that big, mate. So there's only about 10 of us. So <laughs> yeah. So, we, so when, when nine rock up, the one who doesn't rock up to the next band or the one who rocks up in an extremist shirt, yeah, you kind of know who stole it. But, you know, it was alive and well, you know. Everyone came out to it. It was actually demanded by the fans. Jason North, the promoter, wasn't too sure about doing it. But the fans wanted it, and they came out in numbers. Over 500 people. Yeah, it was great. Sold out. People got really got into it. They had a barbecue on there. Um, merch was sold. People had a good time. So it's yeah. always great. People never have troubles at metal gigs. It's great. But you're here to hear about the Super Metal Brothers podcast where we talk about all sorts of things. On tonight's episode, we have got the Air Flight Crisis, paying excessive amount for your guitars and all that kind of stuff for a muso. We're talking about the latest Deep Purple album. Yes, they're still going on. Their album's called Infinite. I know you want to hear about what we have to say about that because we've got a lot to say about the album. But first, let's talk the news. Kicking things off right away, Mastodon. These guys have actually debuted their album and it's actually got number one on the actual sales charts. Even in Australia, I think it's number three at the moment, Danny. It's fantastic. It's hit number seven on the Billboard charts, which I think the Billboard charts incorporates everything, I think, streaming as well. That's why Mastodon hasn't done it. But actual record sales... Number one, that's pretty great for like a hard rock band. And much like an overseas sports superstar, they get adopted into a certain category. And here be Australia, but for Mastodon, they're heavy metal again, aren't they, Danny? We have our (laughs) saviors of the metal industry who are kicking and screaming about being put in the same genre that they've been trying to escape from. But I guess, you know, Loudwire said it, so it must be true. Exactly. I mean, I think, again, Korn did the same thing. Like, no, 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 we're not metal. Please, metalheads, follow us. So... I mean, they're the ones you only buy CDs and albums these days. Even here, the, the Aria charts, you always have at least one or two metalheads or metal bands in the top 10, 15 album sales because they're pretty much the only ones selling albums. You know, from the likes of like your Drakes or Rakes, whatever they're calling you, and Sheenans, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other people that I really don't care about their music or, in fact, their existence or the well-being, really. But, you know, kudos because, you know, those uh, 13-year-old kids decided not to spend their money uh, on you know, on bad music and went for good music. So you know, kudos to them. Yeah, maybe I think that like, Mastodon's like a new drug. 
So they mm. all thought, oh, that's a pretty cheap, only 30 bucks or 20 bucks. Is that Rhiannon's new name or new album? You know what I mean? It's yeah. so easy to work. But, you know, they did it and they stuck around long enough to oh, see them no, turn know, to the hero. Nah, they got confused. Um, you know, that new Thor Ragnarok's coming out. So they thought like, Mastodon was probably that new Thor Ragnarok movie. And you know what? Confused. I would have too. Pearl Jam, bass player, attributes Slayer, King Diamond, Dio in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with the only way you can really do it, buy a t-shirt. Yeah, that's right. He was inducted to the Hall of Fame and on his t-shirt, he had all these really good bands that it paying homage to for, you know, the attributing of their not-so-metal sound, I guess you could call it. But he was paying respects to the, uh, the kings of uh, the metal world regardless. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, they got inducted Pearl Jam, which, you know, they're a grunge band, so... I mean, a lot of people don't really appreciate or respect the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame. Some people call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Shame. Oh, Clever. wow. Clever. You know, the, true musicians, people that have worked in their art, spent years away from you know lo- life, love, and all those kind of things just to you know be a better musician and, of course, better catchphrases too. Well, yeah, like Deep Purple, I guess we'll talk a bit later on, but they finally got inducted last year and they were eligible for like 25 years or so. And it's just it's just one of those stupid things. Yeah, one of those songs that just happens to be ingrained to everyone's existence. They hear Smoke in the Water. They only have to hear the first two notes and they know exactly what song it is, right? Not iconic enough. We need to put over people that, you know, have written one really good song that we know about now. It's just, you know, all that kind of crap that we yeah, have. But their excuse, these are inductee people, the committee saying, oh, Deep Purple, just a one song band I'm like what I reckon Harvest we inducted one song band Bon Jovi only had one song people really remember they got inducted yeah that's right you know so you know we're not going to troll be here for much longer to talk about them we'll move on to our next story with Korn now we've talked about Korn not wanting to be metalheads and here they are you know, sometime, was it two weeks later, three weeks later, saying they blew the whole metal scene wide open. So there we go, right? Live long enough to see yourself die as a villain, right? Or live as a hero. I can't really know because, you know, right now they're just kind of, you know, landed on their own uh, sword, I guess. Yeah, exactly right. It's um, that's a problem with a written word and... Yeah, the problem with talking is that you're going to talk yourself into a hole, right? And you're exactly. going to probably contradict yourself that you said like three minutes ago. Hey, we do it all the time. That's how we have a podcast, Right. But, you know, for our corn heroes, yes, you are metalheads. You know it. You've attributed to the scene, the sound, the style. Welcome aboard. You know, we missed the hell out of you. Yeah, it's just one of those, like, politicians where they go to, like, the coal for mine and think, yeah, coal's the best thing ever. I love the coal. Please vote for me. Then it goes to the green people. Like, yeah, solar's the way to go. Coal sucks. Please vote for me. He's like mm. that. He just he just picks his marketplaces and he talks to his Yeah, when, he, when he's doing the interview with, you know, Cosmopolitan, he's like, we're not a metal band. Talk about feelings and stuff. Then when he talks to, you know, loud wire, metal injection and stuff, it's like, yeah, we, we pioneered the sound, right? Yeah, we, we know what we're on to you, man. The truth is here on the Super Metal Brothers, we'll keep you informed, you know. We'll, we'll be the right person to listen to, right, Danny? Exactly. Vote for me. Super Metal Brother Matt. <laughs> 2018. <laughs> I also agree. Super Metal Brother Matt. <laughs> Roger Glover has done a track-by-track guide for Deep Pair for Infinite. Now, we're going to talk about this album a little bit later, but the one thing I wanted to talk about quickly right now is is his album being a relic and he knows as well as his band that having albums don't really make much money and we were actually alluding to this last year we had a whole podcast and we got all the fans involved onto it and here's one of the guys agreeing with my like the guy from machine head i think was rob flynn saying it would be more feasible for these guys to have singles release them and tour it but they're like no we wanted an album and they might seem like old relics but i think for some of the younger guys they want to do the same tell a story yeah, definitely right. That's that's what they achieved for this album. We'll talk about it more later, but you're right. I mean, singles make sense in the sense that 
you spend all your money together to record like let's say the album but then by drip drabbing it you can charge like double per song but it also you also hope that people buy all the songs not just cherry pick so well it's, that's it's that's the thing about the artists like they said they said literally making an album is a waste of time and effort they don't make any money but they're not a waste of time and effort for guys like me and for guys like dan one of us bought the album right and we're both listening to it that's like 20 bucks they made that's not a waste of time and effort they can buy uh like a meal i guess like, yeah if it's five of them five coffees yeah i'm, I'm pretty sure these guys just chuck it on the pile i don't think the, this is one of those bands which they don't do it for well they might still do it for the money but they don't need the money anymore is Leeds MP Richard Burgoyne, the Shadow Justice Secretary, that sounds pretty metal, is he the most metal politician on the planet, Danny? Oh, well, like, give him credit. He does a lot of good things. He goes to a lot of venues, goes to a lot of gigs, a lot of concerts. He, every weekend he went to his local bar to watch metal play live, so he's pretty good. But is he the most metal politician? Here's the no. thing. They said because he was in a doom metal band, whatever the hell that is, uh, it's basically like you play three notes, you get bored, and then you wish you were doing something else or wish we were with someone else. Isn't that right, Super Metal Brother Dan? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, do metal band, all you need to do is like trip <laughs> over your guitar and let it sustain for like five minutes and yeah. that's considered a song. Yeah, so, that fills in all the space between yeah. the notes when you pick up your guitar again, play a note and drop it again. It's perfect, right? It's like it's one week long song. <laughs> but he was wearing an Iron Maiden shirt. So obviously uh, yeah. all the people come out. I'm like, dude, since when has Iron Maiden been a metal band? <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> no. oh no. Seriously, he's like the most metal MP. What about the guy from the Philippines he was actually yeah. wearing a death Jocko metal Winamono. shirt he actually, oh. he's a, was a Thailand Prime Minister or whatever it is he what actually a, had an napalm death shirt on what do you do these guys in these metal magazines just drink bleach when they're not giving themselves a handjob over the latest Linkin Park album you know for the latest biggest death metal release or when they're not talking about Metallica yeah. um, you know it's like listen to us man like we, we know the truth we know yeah. that you should vote for the Philippines right yeah but also was it the Dark Throne um bass player, guitarist, or drummer, the guy accidentally became a committee member of right. the local government because he had a, apparently he had to um, uh, apply for the job because of some rules and then he made that one about cats. He goes, I love cats. Vote for me because cats are great. And we actually voted in him. Dude, and he's like, what are you doing to me? i got four years of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's an honest politician. Like He loves cats. Good. That's more integrity than nah, he did love cats. Now. He, he won't be so down that people didn't vote for him and it backfired. Yeah, I love it. He should have been the honest, like the, the standard politician. Like, yeah, I love cats. No, I love cats more. And no, then no, I hate cats. I love cats, but I love dogs. You're going to love one. You can't love both, right? Like, there has to be a line. you gotta, you got to decide. There's a fence. You sit on either side of the fence, right? Then he could have been you know, hated by both people that love cats and dogs and hate the other exactly that's right he goes to the, the, cult, the cat people I love dogs he goes to the cat people I love cats yay no one's going to vote for me you know Mike Portnoy doesn't like kitchens doesn't like kitchens you yeah because apparently he doesn't like chefs either he doesn't like having too many chefs in you know cooking and stuff did you know that Denny uh, no, but well, go on. Well, apparently that now he's out of dream theater. He's had a change of heart. You know, before ruling the roost was great, but now not ruling the roost because you know you're not leading your band anymore, and having to sit there with everyone else is also great. Yeah, normally when you join established bands, you know you can't really start dictating what to do. You kind of have to like work your way up to being a dictator. Mm. It's kind of Hitler. You just can't become Hitler. You got to work your way up to Hitler. You know? Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't just walking into Germany and being like, "All right, stand aside of whoever the boys were before me. I got this new idea, and you're gonna love it." No, he was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna come in, and you know, I'm just gonna like blackmail and store all the people above me, and eventually they'll fall off, you know, or die from mysterious causes, <laughs> like an axe to the back of the head, like self-inflicted 25 gunshot wounds yeah, to the head." Yeah. That's right. Right. So, you know, to Portnoy, we see what you're doing, man. We, we, we're we here for you. You know, you want to be back on the top, right? You won't have your dream theater, but you know what? They're just too busy doing songs that no one's listening to anyway. I can't even stand it. 
Yeah, but if you want to um, like something that Mark Porn has done recently, he actually um, played some classic songs on a Hello Kitty drum kit. Yeah, that's cool. be found on YouTube. That's actually pretty funny. So mm. check that out. That was cool. Songs being banned from GDA 2. We didn't believe it either, so we read the article. And banned. Wow, we got bought with a clickbait there, didn't we, Danny? Yeah, pretty much. That's first one of those classic that we need money coming because advertisers aren't paying as much as they used to things. It's, it really, it's basically a headline to uh, suck in the suckers. And uh, here we are talking about it because uh, well, it's a treat on us. So I guess touche, uh, metal injection. Yeah, definitely. It wasn't a band song. We're having this. Apparently, this guy actually writes songs for GDA. And he's actually a big like progressive rock fan. He likes writing progressive rock. Because it was back in the day when um, they couldn't get to massive labels to throw songs at them to make him some money because you know they were like, yeah, we're not putting our our songs to a backtrack where guys are shooting up drug dealers and stealing cocaine from hookers and stuff. They was running. That wasn't marketable back then, yeah. but ten years later, kind of running over police officers doesn't go down well with um these record companies. Yeah. So here we are. We're talking about the song that was banned, Danny. You were talking about this prog rock song that was supposed to make it, but uh, someone was a little bit smarter than the guy writing it said that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, pretty much. It was a twenty-minute. Uh, we won't say epic, but there's twenty minutes of uh, let's say music. It was music, but it just wasn't going to ever make it on and like all good music marketers don't want to say musicians he was contributing it to like throwing rains like rainbows rising records and stuff like that led zeppelin stuff i'm like okay hold on a second there's like not even one richie blackmore anymore like you know (laughs) so don't get us started on the whole you know like attributing it to that album because you know as far as masterpieces go you know that thing should be behind a bank inside a safe inside a locked aquarium inside another safe on the oh, moon. Yeah. I mean, apparently, there was some uh, band songs. Like, apparently, they had a version of Star Spangled Banner, which couldn't make the cut. So, it was probably just like the Jimi Hendrix version where he just goes off like at 20 hours. It's like, yeah, yeah man, we, we don't have enough memory on our D- CDs to um, store that song. Yeah, the only thing that gets banned is the actual game itself. You know, you go to Target, you can't find it. You know, apparently, it's got violence against a certain demographic that uh, it even though the other demographic in it gets absolutely slaughtered in every single... And you get rewarded for it. One person gets killed in it, and all of a sudden, it's going to be problematic, right? So I always like to say uh, thank you to uh, the media for making me buy the game because as soon as it says banned, I'm like, ah, I have to buy it. So I guess we were all 15-year-old somewhere, I guess, and now... Exactly, that whole parental advisory stick on CDs. Oh. It's like, thou shall not buy it. They shall... They will buy they it. They will buy it. It's like, oh, my God. It's like, oh... It's a must. It must buy that parental sticker comes. It's it's just more alluring than having uh you know the Teletubbies fighting Optimus Prime on top of uh, Cybertron. Now that that sticker is more alluring than a mama seeing like a special sticker on like loaf of bread. So loaf of bread is special. Let's oh, buy twenty. Absolutely. A guy was held at gunpoint with Cradle of Filth in the Vatican. Dude, you with Cradle of Filth? I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often, right? Yeah. Well, actually, apparently they get arrested quite often if you read the article. I mean, it, look, Danny was just being a real douchey thing he wore an i love satan shirt to the vatican i'm like yeah i know you might not believe in it, but those people do because you just like have a little bit of class man I, you know what i want to see and this is the thing and this is a big thing i want i want to see people in the metal cutie just giving crap to satan honestly i would freaking love it <laughs> i want to see satan isn't real shirts everywhere because i am so sick of this elitist uh anti because they don't even believe in satan these satanists anyway most mm. of the time they believe in the fall of this divine entity from the heavens above and he's a rebel so they, they, it's a rebel story they they they, they want the karate oh, kid so they're like the um 
the high school girls you like the bad like gridiron guy or James Dean dude that's right they're just as pathetic as anyone else oh, and are just as confused ouch. about their own ideas than just anyone in the Christian community yeah that's right we might as well just kill every fan in the database because this is what we're talking about so I want to see people wearing these shirts to these guys in the black metal community and then it's like oh you're offending me and then here we go <laughs> Tumblr blogs you know oh metal community is taken in ruins and speaking of that we need to keep going with this because I want to talk about the pretty reckless right now we're going to skip a few stories Danny sorry just hold up the singer I'm talking about she's quite cute she's the uh, um, I can't really remember her name but let's talk, let's say she's the chick from I guess everyone will remember her from the chick from uh, that stupid TV series with uh, that Blake Lively chick in it who's really hot and a couple of oh, others OC nah. Gossip Girl you remember uh, her from Gossip Girl. Yeah, uh, you won't remember very much. It wasn't as pretty as the other girls on it. But she's making a good point. And what she's talking about is the rock revival. She sees nothing but artistic freedom inside the rock community. And I would agree. If you Like she's saying as well, you put anything like a rock, R&B, pop, dance music, whatever genre you want to do, you throw it into it. It will have a home in rock and metal, right? And that's the way it is, right? So... She wants to see it come back. How's rock going to come back, Danny? I've got my answer, but I want to hear your answer first. Oh, How's yeah. rock? Because like everything goes in you know, waves. You know, We've had fashion always come around again. People who buy stupid wooden lawn furniture from the 80s is coming back again. You know, I watch Better Homes and Gardens with my girlfriend. Don't, don't think I don't know what's going on. How's rock coming back in the year 2017? Well, you, you think um, there has been a reestablishment of the vinyl record and that was a pretty big on the rock sound because you had that whole like raw sounding well i know it's digitally recorded these days which kind of makes it pointless to put on vinyl but still the vinyl album itself could have those like crackling and raw and gritty sounds which kind of helps to rock out uh people rock is rebellious music people get a bit more rebellious these days okay let's talk about me stop pointing at self-conscious rebellious that's what i was going to lead to back in the 80s we had the church goers right we couldn't do anything without you know ruining the kids because it's you know against their values and you know it's going to set up all these kids to be murderers and stuff the 90s come around drugs are the biggest problem right so we got to keep kids away when do all those stupid ads where this is your eggs is your brain or something you know any questions you know those stupid you know, drug things. You have, our, you have our favorite stuff. cutting characters get together and talk about how cocaine's bag. But the only way you could think about doing those cartoons if you were high on acid. There's no other way, right? So like, come color. on, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So much color. Come yeah, on. Right. You know, we, we've seen Pokemon. Come on. Talking animals. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, really? Yeah, shoot electricity from the cheekbones. Come on. How's that work? We're in the middle of 2017 right now almost. And what's our biggest problem? Not uh, war, but it looks likely not gonorrhea because I've had it. I'm talking about political correctness. Yes, we're at triggering two judgment day. And the biggest thing <laughs> That's pretty good actually. <laughs> and the biggest thing we got now are people that are saying we can't say certain words and, and do certain things and, and tackle certain ideas without being labeled racist, homophobe, or super male brother Matt. So what do we do? I think uh, and this is coming from the metal community. You only have to open up the metal injection paper and see, don't use this word. I'm like, but cannibal corpse can talk about how they slaughter girls and have sex with their unconscious bodies. Why can't we call someone a faggot? Because you don't have a blast beat behind you. Ah, oh, so what you're trying to say is that we should like have blast beats as ringtones. So That's when right. We get in arguments with people. Like, Wait a second. Yeah. All you need to do now in our current age in the metal community, so no one gets upset with you because they do. Because metal community now, for some reason, is getting more offended than a, a Tumblr blogger that dyes her hair red and grows her armpits longer than my ballsack. Um, <laughs> you know, you just got to do it. You got to do it, right? So, uh, you know, for that, I want, like Daniel said, I want you to have a band around with you all the time and a microphone. So if anyone gets upset with what you say, it's like, I'm just expressing my musical direction, then no one can be offended. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's flawless. Yeah, I think someone said that was the difference between like 
art and pornography is a scholarship. So yeah. It's the same thing. The difference between like music and a rant is a blast beat. And I've been practicing scholarship by myself for at least 10 years of my life right now. I've been telling you I'm doing push-ups, but I just want to be getting that piece of paper. Yeah, like your own diploma, have you? Yeah. Oh, I'm trying for it, man. Black Sabbath planned a blues album. Um, wow, I guess that could have worked. I mean, they've stolen enough from the genre. Why not just get rid of the distortion and play the exact same riffs? Oh, snap. Oh, snap, man. You're on fire tonight. Yeah, it's funny because who you know you've just pretty much done a blues album? Oh, that's right. Deep Purple. Oh, nice. yes. man. You've been late to the punch there, man. You could have yeah. innovated something else, like well, a dishwasher that has a toaster in it. Good old uh, Lemmy there, like Clismister, how you pronounce his surname from Motorhead, the late Lenny. I actually admitted that he reckons Deep Purple was the first heavy metal band. Oh! Oh! Oh, we're, just, we're, just, we're offending. Everybody's like, wait, 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 play that blast beat. So I say this. Oh, I reckon. We need, we need, first heavy metal. We need to, I need to write a song with a blast beat the whole time so then that way everyone thinks it's a really good track and not someone who's just really bored and frustrated that they still live with their parents. Um, Phil Levante was surprised how much people were embraced by Fire Finger Death Punch. I was surprised, actually, that he was actually doing metal vocals in a metal band for a change. There we go. That's number three. I think we need to go to the editorial, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know what? And the thing is, when it comes to metal leadership bags, it's mostly Superman, Brother Matt, and Dan. So yeah. the fans, when it comes to As I Lay Dying, we're like, sorry, Five Finger Death Punch, we're like, nah, cool. You know, we just want to hear you do with the songs and do them well. And he did. Yeah, fantastic. And I guess before we head on to the editorial, we, we me and Super Metal Brother Matt here, also now um, giving someone else more courage to go into the um, metal community and get their voice out there with Brian Johnson's actually doing a TV series where he goes around talking to rock and roll people. So, we're, Brian, we're great that we can inspire you to create your own way of getting yeah, your Yeah, no, you wouldn't know out. much about Brian Johnson. He plays for a band that actually couldn't actually fill out the name of the band on a CD, so they had to paraphrase ACDC, right? Yep. So, poor guy, you know, pretty underprivileged, probably need your money, and they need your support. Um, stop listening to our show and listen to what Brian Johnson has to say. We haven't got the face for TV or the voice for radio, but we try, right? That's what's good about a podcast because, you know, we can just edit it afterwards and just make it sound great. You could, but we don't. <laughs> that makes it a bad podcast. No, no, that takes effort and time. Oh, God, he's got the time for that. Editorial for this week, we are talking about the Jetstar controversial fee of baggaging. Um, this really got me by surprise because I didn't expect to actually be reviewing a air flying thing on our show, but here we are. You know, in 2017 in April, we're talking about uh, some airplanes. Yeah, it's um, one of these things where a lot of people, we don't really get caught up with the um, extra bag or oversized bags because we normally just bring carry-on or just a, these days a laptop. For some reason, people can change into their laptop. That's that's quite amazing to me. But unfortunately, Jester has decided to, um, let's not say punish, but let's say um, reward themselves for when musicians want to check in their bags and check in... Um, larger than life equipment yeah we'd like to thank luke dietrich for this one because we weren't too sure what we're going to bitch about this week and we found a good episode to talk about we uh, suggest that you sit on board on this because if you're a metal musician this might apply to you but don't worry we've got the answers for you so what's happened is that this qantas owned airline is now giving 25 dollars for an oversized item fee which is every flight so you know if you're a metal musician or if you're a musician in general that could add up really really fast you know all of a sudden you might be spending up to 150 dollars extra a year almost hell even a month sometimes i mean not me because you know you need talent and you know commitment and just ask my girlfriend i don't do neither of those and just ask my other girlfriend that too <laughs> <laughs> the whole commitment thing is just too hard um apparently separate handling denny 
the thing is, these things are under the regulation of kilo size. So wh- how much handling does it need when you've got a guitar? I don't think it's to do with the, the handling issue. It's it's like you know, you're know flying on the same plane. So it's not like they, they have to like build another compartment. It's like, oh, no, you've bought that guitar. Oh, no, we have to like now install the like, additional cargo bay. No, 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 it's the same size plane. It's the same size cargo bay. What, they have to spend an extra 10 seconds like rearranging it down on the floor. It's... It seems a bit over the top. Didn't take long for one certain member, Tom Brockman, who plays drums in Aussie metal act Tabera. Now, I've never heard of him, but maybe after this, I should. He's just basically had it go, which is costing him literally 150 bucks extra. He's wondering about, obviously, the handling fee like we are. You know, he's actually even given the suggestion about him taking the guitars to the plane for him. You know, get rid of that nasty $25 that they've been having problems with, right? You know, that could help. Well, it didn't seem to be a problem up to now. I mean, but is this just music instruments? You always a bit like golf clubs and like surfboards and prams and bikes and I don't know, skis. Yeah, I think it's an oversight, hopefully. Uh, then again, it is Qantas and they had that multi-billion dollar guy come because they, they were having those uh, negatives for such a long time. They were poorer than me on the on end of a work week. But then they had this other guy come in you know, slaughtered it, got more money out of it, and now he's just finding another way that he can, uh, you know, nickel and dime the uh, loyal and faith bank uh, customers. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny. Like, I, I go back to um, Ricky Gervais said this thing as well where people have to pay extra for, like, additional weight. Mm. He's like, you, you weigh, let's say, 80, 90, 100 kilos, yet you sit next to someone to play who weighs, like, 140 kilos. Yeah. Well, they've used up the extra baggage, and they, they're over their weight limit. Why do they have to pay more? So... Why, why do you have to pay more just because your bag's a little bit bigger than someone else's you bag? You know, probably he's done that guy next to you, Mr. I take three seats. He's probably swallowed his guitar. He's figuring uh, that it's it's more expensive for him to sit. So why doesn't he just eat his instruments, right? And then he can just go and poop it in like 12 hours later. It's like under his shirt. It's like yeah. this, this drummer guy, he puts a symbol on his head. He says, nah, this one of those like Japanese hats. Nah, it's not a symbol. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So when you've got Bumblebee from the Transformers who's sitting next next year, just have a second glance and see that his arm's not actually made of drumsticks, you know? And the other one's like a Tomcat or something. I'm yeah. onto these Transformers, man. I don't think they're as clever as they used to be. Yeah, well, there you go. But I mean, it's 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 another one. They can fly anyway. So what the hell are they taking a plane for? Sorry. Uh, technically, the Autobots can't fly, man. Certain kinds of flyers. So it depends what gen- what generation you look into as well. Because certain generations, certain TV series did certain. So do you think after I rip off the music for everything in the between, I could take the time to know about Transformers as much as Super Metal Brother Dan? But then again, I do have a life. So mm. what Transformers is life. But anyway, <laughs> going back to these planes. Yeah. Again, look. There's other. There's other playing companies you can take which haven't decided to screw musicians yet so but again it's like don't be a drummer we said it last week yeah just don't be a drummer i mean it's too you look like a complete badass for one hour of the week right don't get me wrong because you're surrounded by the artillery that only the russians would be jealous about and then you have to then you know take it all apart put it into cases pay way more extra than you should have the singer on the meantime gets all the chicks gets all the interviews and everyone wants to sleep with him so it's like why be a drummer why be a drummer i mean yeah i'm struggling now man <laughs> i know we talked about that last week though but so let's go back to how we're going to solve this problem right well, it looks like Virgin's actually slashed the prices for men, for musicians, actually, because they got this own class, right? So, to be quite honest, yeah, they uh, they can actually just go through Virgin and pay an actual, like a loyalty bonus, whatever, and then that way you can, you know, bring your 17 quads that your Slayer would be jealous of and uh, smash away. No, it's, I mean, I guess they still charge like, weight fees, but at least they're not charging bullshit um, frivolous, uh, oversized baggage fees. Yeah, it's like a musical musician allowance they call it at Virgin. So you know, 
a lot of people have just literally you read the article and a lot of people have just taken their money from Jetstar and just pushed it onto Virgin because you know they're there to support. Yeah, you know, they're happy the Harry little man or middle man, I guess you know. Yeah. Um, so we got a response from from uh, from the guys and they literally just said, I think we got the, the response that I'm talking about from Jetstar. And yeah, it was just like we have to do it for manual handling, and it's required for sporting equipment, music equipment. So they were absorbing the cost before, right? So you know that that uh, guitar thing, you know, literally gives RSI to 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 the people, the baggage handlers. So they have to go home, you know. Yeah, like so they, they're like so used to grabbing bags. They grab the guitar. Well, how does this work? Uh, <laughs> that's how you put it. In Where there. do you grab it? it? Where do you grab it from? It right? doesn't have wheels. Where's that wheels? Yeah. And look at look at this. This as far as blatant sell. We uh the additional extras help us off the lowest fares possible from every day. Yeah, I had to read that in that condescending, stupid, commercialized version of it because that's what it was. And uh, you know, see you later. Go for it. You know, go to Virgin right now. You know, I'm um, here. We're not getting supported by it. We're not getting any of those millions that uh, Richard Branson has acquired over the years and. You know, with his phone company and all that kind of stuff and vibrating dildos that uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never used them before. Uh, sell the new Virgin toys. It makes sense. <laughs> sell, sell it to Virgin. So, yeah. yeah, I guess so. The Virgin so, toy range. So with that, Danny, is there any final thoughts you wanted to give to Jetstar or maybe even to uh, Virgin? Our new overlords and masters taking us from the oppression of the brutal... Laney arc, I guess they call it. I don't really know what they call uh, aviation. Uh, break, break that glass cloud, you reckon? <laughs> 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 oh my god! Okay. Oh my god! Oh, right, shell down. Oh my god! We're more triggered than uh, than the. I guess yeah, anyone so, from the university in the states. So, fly virgin, fu jetstar. Oh, oh wait. To be fair, I'm just having surprised jets that haven't done full damage control. Like Photoshop the a picture of like Delta Goodrum in there, saying, <laughs> "Look, we look after musicians. We've got Delta Goodrum in here, <laughs> and here's Delta Goodrum's piano. She's only taking up row <laughs> seven to twenty-three. You know, because like Delta Goodrum, right? Yeah. So uh, with that, screw Delta Goodrum, and onto our final presentation. Deep Purple. Yes, they still exist. They did smoke in the water. They did other songs as well. But what we're here to do is talk about the CD review that might be Danny that's one song. Well, if you go by the name Infinite, it could be that they haven't purposely said that it is their last song. Apparently, Roger Glover came out, which is the bass player, a couple of weeks ago. And I think he's hinted that the record company would like to mark this as their song song. Even I think that the name of the, of this tour to promote this album is like the final tour or something something like that Fair, so, yeah it's like a farewell final tour yeah, yeah. so there's, there's all these questions but from hearing or reading his interviews Glover doesn't want to go they, they want to go they still enjoy it like he's like Matt said before um, he could have, they could have released this album as a single thing to try to make money but he said we don't want to do it for money we just want to get our stories out there and just express ourselves because that's what they want to do We've seen, unfortunately, the passing of John Lords as well, and this isn't. This is the thing that shows the uh, dedication to their art. These guys aren't dying because of drugs, or because of you know some sort of wild sex story with seven chicks, and they captured every single um, a sexual transmitted disease, and then the sexual transmitted diseases had a war inside of them, you know, enabling their penis to fall off and run away to Germany, and uh, you know ends in their death. This is literally because of old age. These guys now are starting to come against, you know, what they really want to do and what their bodies are really going to let them do. Yeah, I mean, they already had their breakup and back in the 80s when uh, Blackmore left and formed Rainbow. And oh, actually, actually, yeah, and then Gillen left and then went, I think, for Black Sabbath for a bit and all that stuff. So 
What I want to do, Danny, because you've been a massive Deep Purple fan. Hey, I even grew up in Deep Purple growing up. You know, they were one of the bands that were on our record player next to, you know, Rainbow and a few other things, Black Sabbath as well, to be included. But what makes Deep Purple so special? Why reviewing this album right now is a big deal for the Super Metal Brothers? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for us, yeah, it is a big deal. We were, we were raised on it. It was our first ever gig I went to. It was um, Deep Purple, the Entertainment Center, back, I think, 97. Um, this is the 20th album, so it just shows longevity. And it, for us, it's just like, you know, part of our lineage. You know, our dad got us into it. Um, yeah. It this is the Super Metal Brothers makeup. What you're actually hearing now in our voice is literally like us gushing about, yeah, who we really are as people from the music we listen to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a big part of our lives, a big part of our like dad's life, our mum's life, our cousin's life. So Deep Purple was really this, the thing which got us into, it was pretty much the first, I guess, deep hard, first. deep, heavy band which we listened to growing up so it was kind of the start of it was deep purple i've, I've seen him three times live uh saw him once with journey once with status quo and once by themselves so yeah I've, every time they come down here i try to go see him um they they've they're just they're pretty much they've always been known as the musicians musicians that they even though you, you think the songs are simple they actually are quite clever like they, they have all these subtle lines and subtle changes and everything's like everything is done to the t of these guys everything needs to be there not because i want to shop up because it it really needs to be there these guys are just very clever songwriters john lord like rest his soul here um back in the i think 70s they actually did a whole like orchestra like um a purple with the orchestra thing it's called something like that and they, john lord composed the whole thing uh back in the 80s uh, roger glover went with someone to do the butterfly ball which was pretty much that whole um ensemble like that childhood childhood story so these guys here that they're they're not just music because they you know for the sex and drugs rock and roll they literally are musician musicians and they're great at what they do and to give them credit they, they're now they're heading hellfest of all things like hellfest i thought deep purple were done a couple of years back but for them to be put as like headlining hellfest it's amazing it shows you great respect that people have for them and great lineage and how they've really um uh, you know, not it's not just smoking a water, but everything how they've shaped different genres and etc. Yeah, Europe's really got a handle of that. Australia hasn't. You know, when Deep Purple came here, they started to get a much more of a dwindling uh, fan base and obviously an older fan base. However, Hellfest is really the mix, and they're really respecting that. And I think the promoters really know what's going on to put them on there. But we're here to talk about the, la- the latest album, Infinite. You know, we're here to talk about Deep Pebbles. We talk about Deep Pebbles' lineage, but now it's talking about what happens after this. You know, so let's talk about the album, Danny. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, first, we always start with riffs, so we'll start with riffs. And excuse me, this album here is, has gone, I guess, like recent years. I guess they're getting a bit old, a bit mellow, a bit wiser, etc. They're going back to more of their bluesy rock roots and this album is pretty much a bluesy rock album mm. uh maybe there's like the first song has a bit of heaviness in it it seems like track maybe eight or so there's a little bit of heavy uh a bit of funk there as well but uh yeah so man yeah i think the one thing which i will give respect to with richie blackmore is his riff writing i think as a riff writer richie blackmore is probably stronger um and is more iconic for remembering and you really get that when you think of black knight smoke on the water but even stuff he's done with rainbow and stuff like that like kill the king uh you know rising and stuff like that uh it's just a matter of times he's just given you great solid licks however i will then concede that the new guy they've got, uh, Shredmaster Steve Moore. Moore's, you know, John Petrucci is is his number one fan. Like literally, he's his idol, which gives you the impression where this guy's at. Moore's is at. 
Uh, I think he's great at doing song structure and song writing, and his soloing is ridiculous. It is probably better than Richie Blackpool's in the sense that it's just so strong. It's structured. It's very tight and very clinical, you know, very soulful, which I'll give him to it as well. So I would say that even though the riffs aren't as memorable as probably back in the day when they were throwing out number one hits, I think these riffs uh, do well to complement the songs. And like Dan was saying, the diversity of all those uh, riffs. Yeah, definitely. And one thing you get off this album is like they have very strong melodies. Uh, yeah. and that's like Matt's saying, Steve Morris is big on that. Uh, you know, I mean, because they're all uh, musician musicians, if everyone can write their own so riffs and they can all be quite strong. Yeah. So you're not you're not having one guy who's a predominantly a guitarist trying to write for a, a drummer or whatever. These guys are all on top of their game. I mean, Don Don Airy now keyboards used to play for them back in like when Lord left back in the '80s of the Stormbring album. And, stuff. So, and he has that same, you know, I mean, the Hamlet organ is always going to be there. He has the kind of same kind of feel to it, mm. more more bluesy. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're just strong melodies, yeah. come across well. Um, they're diverse in them as well. And no matter what genre they pick, the songs and the riffs themselves do well to complement that sound and give a good sense of a strong story. You know, you can really tell these guys for every song came out and wanted to give an idea identity to each one and give it as an encompass in the whole album and the wrist do well for that you know and like Daniel said it's very enjoyable you know these wrists do quite well to get you in the mood and you get really excited I get really excited listening to the next track because you kind of know it's going to be a curveball but they don't lose momentum they don't lose the idea you know everything is quite has quite an intent to it yeah definitely every song uh, has its own feel to it um, there's no like there's no standard song structure no standard riffs to this album it's different. I guess we're talking more about diversity. So yeah, you know, so, so let's talk about diversity. Then let's give the vocals a miss for a bit and talk about the diversity. We talked about it a lot, uh, and I guess the one thing I wanted to say is that there's a lot of different genres. And like with funk, rock, blues, I would even say even country. There's sometimes yeah. and jazz. There's a jazz intro in one of these songs where it's just hitting the ride. You know, like a two and four kind of thing. Uh, but because these guys in the, all the instruments, like Danny was saying, are so strong, it's quite competent. These guys aren't doing a like an homage in a sense. These guys are doing the uh, like the, the rendition that, that should be done. Um, but it's great. The diversity in this record literally is so exciting and fresh that uh, even a non-metalhead can really respect it, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely like that's a style where everybody can get into. And it's just an easy-tempoed uh, album, which is, I guess, one maybe you could say it's one of the flaws of the album. Everything seems to be sung kind of the same tempo and most riffs seem to be the same tempo. So you can argue that you would hope they'll try to kick it up to a couple of gears, but apart from track one, it's not really the case. That's yeah, it does well to get you into the album, I think. You know, the production yeah. and the value sounds really good, which we'll talk about later. But uh, even even with the difference in the whole entire spectrum of the whole thing, I, I really, really enjoyed it. You know, I think each song, even though it was done in a different style, is strong. The melodies are retained. The the musicianship, it gets a focus as well. And there's times where the keyboard and the guitars will work off each other and do that whole dream theater line. But it's not unnecessary drivel. It yeah. does it to set up a section and to do what what it's supposed to be doing so um no i, re I really enjoy it. it feels like a throwback to like stormbringer and stuff like that in a sense when yeah, i think about this album and, and fireball like yeah but not it's kind of like a wink and a nod but growing on that and i think with the production and stuff as well through the diversity works really well yeah i mean like i said the great thing being musicians and like i alluded to before a, a certain song you might think it has the same uh structure like verse chorus verse chorus but every line something slightly different like a piano will do like a nice little run yeah that's the, right the, the guitarist might throw a couple of power chords in there which weren't in the line just before so it's all the subtleties in these guys which 
make a like good song great yeah. I reckon I mean they got that a progressive song there which track six like the the surprising where you, it just it just is a beautifully written song it's like one of their classic like melodic, melodic songs so they're so good at writing then even like the Rocky songs they, they all just have something to make you keep being engaged you don't know why but like, this is this is quite a great song I'm, I'm really engaged listening so we're putting this album pretty high so far but we'll move on to the vocals because as we've talked about um these guys are getting old and you can hear it in the voice but is it a bad thing danny it's one of the good things about ian gillen is that he's he is a great singer in that he knows what to sing when and he knows how to end notes and knows how to sing a line he, he's he's very like trying to trying to be a singer myself you, you you can hear all his just little nuances he puts onto everything and when he puts his attitude on things which is he has that's what he's great at doing now like he, he might not be able to hit the highness he used to do but he has a great attitude and a great pacing to him which is very important with these slower songs or these like bluesy songs you have to have that emotion across you have to know how to go with the music and not sing over it you have to sing as part as another instrument to get that feeling across and he yeah. does it very well yeah he's hitting the rhythmic ideas he's hitting all those notes when they should be done to sung it perfectly um you know it might be a bit weathered but it's got that soul in it still and it's got that fire in it and uh yeah, it's it's not overkill. It's not it's not the featured instrument on it, which I think for a vocalist is very easy to kind of put yourself over at the top of everything and just have your voice be the prominent thing. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's just really like he's a part of a bigger plan, a bigger picture. And uh, is there any kind of instances where you you were really surprised what he was doing, Danny, or just think overall it was quite an enjoyable experience? Uh not really. I mean, you're right. It's just it's just hearing how he phrased how he spaced things. It was just very it's just very good. It's just, you got everything. You even got him swearing on the record. I so know. where did that come from? Airphones, right? parental advisory sticker. Yeah, deep I had to, there was two of these tracks we had explicit on, and I'm like, get out of here! They're talking about Satan already. Like they're just giving up this uh, clean edge. Uh, does the swearing add anything to the song, Danny? Uh, I mean, like if you go, it's, kind of, the, it's kind of funny to hear it though. I yeah, guess. it is kind of funny. Like if you go with the lyrics, it's like yeah, I understand. I think the F bomb was a bit not really required because. The, the yeah. music doesn't really call for... There's hardly a time when music sometimes really calls for a swear word because the passion of it literally doesn't really matter. So hearing it sometimes can be a jarring experience, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit odd normally. Being, being more of a wise, older man, you think, oh, you, you really don't really want to get that angry because he's, he's actually pretty... You see him on stage, obviously he's pretty calm and relaxed. So like, do you really get that fiery about things anymore? But yeah, when, then we hear like Adele and all she does is swear. Like she literally between songs, you have to decipher the Morse code <laughs> F-words between what she's actually saying. So... Hey, maybe when you know the guard's down, that's more a reflection of how he would talk and how he would express himself. So maybe this makes sense. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, I mean, a lot of the songs of this album, like Roger Glover's point out, are based on past experiences or um, just what they've been going through throughout their years. So maybe that story had a lot of significance to Gillen. He just wanted to put an F bomb to it. Yeah, pretty much. I think we're there. The next thing we're talking about the groove, of the album now. One thing you need in blues is a good feel, right? Uh, it's more important to really get across uh, a good emotional content, I think, because uh, technique-wise, you might not really need it as much. Um, but however, this is a blues, rock, jazz hybrid. You know, I really consider these guys just a rock band, to be honest, and then with all these hybrids infused into it. And uh, I think that the whole time, I'm, I was actually grooving along to the whole thing. And uh, that was a surprise because sometimes in Deep Purple, they could write songs that kind of overstay their welcome. Or even, to be honest, I think with the uh, stuff I'm knocking on your back door, the album after it, they weren't even happy with that. It had a bad attitude on it, that uh, album. Um, is that difficult to 
Cure. Is that that one? It might be with the one, the door opening. And they said they actually hated that, apart from maybe one or two oh, songs. Well, and that was a bit tired. I think that was the end of Richie Blackmore singing, where they're a bit tired and a bit over it. Yeah. And uh, so the, the band's self-aware. It knows when it when it goes wrong and off the beaten path. So, um, you know, and this is really when I'm, that's just back again. You know, these guys are back on their full force. And, uh, yeah, I really got the whole time where the album wasn't a chore to listen to. You know, I've had it on the background just jamming away and uh, I put me in a great mood man the whole time through mm. it and I think that's the best thing about music is an escapism part of it and uh, no matter what I'm doing I put this album on the whole time I'm actually really having a good time enjoying it so whether I'm attentively listening to it or chilling out because the whole thing grooves the whole time man it's just having a pacing away and uh, yeah it retains the best part and I, I guess you know the drumming on the album he's a freak isn't he yeah Ian Pace is just again if you hear like all the old school drummers their hero was Ian Pace and everybody yeah. goes straight to Rush and goes straight to um Neil Peart or Peart. And that's great. he's a great drummer as well, but... For feel. We're talking about literally yeah. just for human emotion and literally not technically, but he can do all that technical stuff too. Oh, yeah. He does the whole like the snare drum stuff, etc. But like for a guy who just predominantly played like a five-piece kid, oh, yeah. I mean, like I, I, you can't... Get, apart from like the classic like blues drummers and stuff like that, you, you couldn't really get many better than um, Ian Pacey. So, no, they're great. I mean, the feel is great. They got the key changes, the key signature changes, timing changes... Uh, feel, everybody puts feel on. Uh, you even tell the last song, one of the last on track ten, which is the um, Roadhouse Blues. Uh, yeah, you could just tell that was done as fun and or ad lib, and it was. It was it was recorded in thirty minutes. The guys just said, "Okay, we're going to do it live," and it's just recorded live. It's just those guys just having fun and doing their classic call response bluesy. Put your feels in wherever you feel like doing it. So, and it comes across as a, you wouldn't think that. You know, it's quite amazing. Yeah, top of their game, man, these guys. And I think this album is a good reflection of where they are and, and encompassing a lot of what made Deep Purple great, you know. I was actually a bit scared because people have negatively re- reviewed albums before this, you know. And I understand, you know, with the might have been the newest tra- band arrangement at the time or whatever. But um, yeah, let's lay- nail it with the production. And at the end of the day, this album sounded a lot heavier than I was expecting. And it caught me off guard in the right way. It made it sound a little bit more bigger and a little bit more intent with what was going on. Because I've heard Deep Purple albums where they're a bit more thinner in production, you know what I mean? Even the bass and all that really sounds more like a jazz album in that sense, you know? But it just had the kick booming, had the guitar sounding nice and beefy. Um, yeah, everything was mixed really cleanly and crisply. Uh, a, a tribute for these guys moving on with the times in that sense, I think. Yeah, definitely. And they actually decided to add like effects and distortions, like vocal source stuff, like space agey effects, which are very unique to Deep Purple. I haven't heard much of them do that in the past. So that was quite interesting. Um, but it seemed to be like a repeating pattern in this album. I guess Cause the Infinite is that they started with that psychedelic spacey feel. And every now, track five, like the whole song seems to have that tone to everything, yeah. has electronic feel to everything. They come back again to it later. So it seems, because again, all these songs about them progressing through their life, progressing through their career, those, I guess, moments just could be the key moments and the rest are just the stories they fill in. Yeah, so. and I think that's the best way. I'm glad they call it The Album Infinite because it really does sound like it's all intertwining, like this is all just going around in circles and uh, they've done well to encapsulate kind of the best parts of it whether that was done, you know, intently or not. Um, and the production, yeah, it really makes this album, all those elements to combine perfectly to give it the great mix that you can hear everything so you can really enjoy the fruits of their labour. Yeah, and I think also production, the album cover is probably one of the smartest album covers I've probably ever seen in my life. What's that? It's because, one, it's the infinite symbol, but also it's the infinite symbol and the Oh, the D and the P. D and the P. It's like yeah. just a really clever, simple but clever 
uh, album. And the, I thought it was just the band's fantastic. always been known for their subtlety in that sense. So maybe that's the whole point, whether it be the song structure and that they do exactly what you need to do. But there's so much thought and intent where everything else yeah. isn't necessary is out of the song. Yeah, you it know, could be right. It so could be right. down from the artwork, stage presence, uh, the songs. Uh, a tribute to these guys. They've been around for this long and they deserve to be around for this long. The album, though, who, Danny? Who are we going to recommend this for? Because I have a feeling that 40 and 50-year-olds have already bought this and everyone else is waiting to catch up to get into this album. But, however, I think now with the whole, you know, Hellfest, maybe this will be their time to just kick it off with a bang. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even people like the younger kids today who like the whole, like, indie music and etc. this is not that far of a stretch from that. Like, I know the indie groups but slow and more progressive. yeah, yeah, yeah. But this music here would still um, reach out to people who just like the rock, like the blues, and even like that, I guess, soft rock feel. This album is definitely one which reaches all those because it is quite soulful. It is quite emotive and how it's played and sung. Yeah, it's hard because I know with the, with the way the music's going in the industry, for the younger guys, you know, it doesn't have any of those iconic moments where it's a catchiness because there's a lot of thought going to these songs where, you know, you really want something that can just resonate with someone very quickly or very fast but very forgettable. So then the next hit comes along and they can get into that and then they'll be getting tired. Like like Sugar, literally, pop music's like Sugar, you know. It's great for the instant and then you'll get over it and then you need something else to, to replace it. This band, these, these songs are iconic and this is exactly what they went out to do is write big great songs and um it's a dying art form maybe maybe it's coming back maybe it's not but uh, the album itself is in itself you know like he was saying i was at the start of the album like the start of the review not many people are buying the whole album they want to get sold drip feeds like the like the studio is doing like they do with video games and the whole thing yeah. um but i want to see people buying this album in fact i really rate this album in fact i really really like this album man yeah, i great. can see it getting up high in the uh, end of the year when we talk about the best albums because it is a great album for musicians and it's a great album for people because uh, it shows you that an emotional connection to the songs done by people who can play anything that, but they're playing great songs and that's uh, respect. Yeah, definitely right. And I, a good way to get this out to the masses and get people appreciative of it, I reckon track three, which is called All I Got Is You, I don't, it, it seems to suit like a Fallout commercial break like that video game. I reckon if they... They try to yeah. market those things clever. I reckon it could work. Yeah, get it into video games. Get it into the kids' imagination. You know, get it into any way you can into a movie or into like a series or a TV show. Uh, this band needs to do it because these songs are good enough to stand on their own. So maybe that's the way they can get into the the young ones before they uh, pretty much just walk it walk away into the dust where we're all settle eventually. Where I guess we're all going to be eventually. But um, yeah, great album, man. Yeah, nice. No, I really enjoyed it as well. The more you listen to it, the better it gets. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It really, really is. Puts in a great mood. Um, and I think as well, I think for us, just within that nostalgia as well, just revisiting some of these uh, this band is hearing some of the things they kind of done in the past and what made them so great and uh, why they became such a big influence in a lot of people growing up, you know. Yeah, and I know, Matthew, you don't really like bonus tracks because you're like, if it's a bonus track, why don't you just put it on the album? Cause yeah, that's Which right. Which is fair because all that money produced big it's, it's a fake thing to do. But this one here actually is bonus material because track 12, second last track, is a um, a rehearsal version of one of the songs they played the album. So it actually shows you... That actually is it. actually a bonus that track because it's for a little bit extra. Here's how a little bit of how the magic happened, right? Just a bit of that magic that was in a bottle and they get you to see it to give you a little glimpse. So so with that, guys, you know, a massive recommendation. If you are a hard... If you're a rock fan, blues fan, jazz, whatever, and if you just don't want your heavy music to be just heavy all the time which is hard for us because we've reviewed pretty much nothing but heavy yeah you know yeah. so we've probably got that fan base however you know if you remember Smoke on the Water Black Knight and you want to revisit some of that you really should do your favour and just listen to a couple of songs and maybe even buy the album yeah especially for those people who like the whole 
burn and fireball and stormbringer all that stuff as well because that's all there and with that we're at the end of the show we've had a great time today guys thank you so much for joining us if you want to check us out more head over to facebook facebook.com forward slash supermetalbro or catch us on twitter twitter.com forward slash supermetalbro we're also obviously on soundcloud so you'll catch us up on there and with that that's the end of the show Danny I would like to thank you for coming on and talking about Deep Purple well I appreciate it I'd like to thank you for giving this chance to speak about Deep Purple <laughs> <laughs> I think you have much choice <laughs> yeah pretty much man we know where I live and uh, we are genetically related uh, so you know that's that's important too I'd like to take this one out as you can see we've been doing Deep Purple and I think Danny to see this out we need a Deep Purple song whatever comes to mind I want you to sing it and uh, we'll leave it off with that what well, is the classic bird which goes, the sky's red, I don't understand. Past is not, I still see the land. People saying the woman is damn, she makes you burn the wave of hey, and ah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Deep Purple Dan. Woo! We've been here talking about all that stuff. We'll catch you next week. See you on the show. Catch ya.